0: Well, like I said, they're going to be over in the fellowship hall uh, as soon as the service is over. And not to mention all the things notwithstanding that was worth hearing and what Sam had to say, the thing that stood out the most to me was that he was married in 1963 and I wasn't even born yet. (laughs) I don't get to say that often. I was just a few months after that. But anyway... uh, So you make sure that you visit them at the table, and uh, that'll be uh, real good. I was in college uh, my second, well, actually my second year at SBU, and I went to with two of my friends. We went to a Striper concert. Uh, You won't see them at Red Baptist Church. Uh, They were a Christian heavy metal uh, group, and at the Striper concert, there's me, Dave, and Todd, three college guys, and everyone around us. Leather, chains, hair, lots of hair. Uh, it, was, it was like a biker convention. And when the concert started up, the lights went out, the fog starts rolling out, Striper came running out on stage, and they start throwing out Bibles. And they were Gideon Bibles. I got a Gideon Bible thrown out by Michael Sweet of Striper. I thought I'd died. And so an altar call was given at the end of the concert. And I mean, tons of people went forward and got saved at that concert. And as they came back and they sat down, the guy in front of me who went up and got saved... I heard him say, I wish I had a Bible, and I sat there, well, I wish he did too, and I wrestled with that, and I'm like, this is a Michael Sweet thrown out in the, so I touched on him, and I said, hey, I have a Bible right here. You can have, have it if you want, and he goes, oh, yeah, thanks, and he took it. I was so mad all the way home, but at the same time, it was the thing to do. That's what I remember. I'm a big believer in the Gideons. Um, anybody that wants to get God's word out, you know, we need to be supportive of that. Amen? So you can meet up with them over in the uh, fellowship hall uh, here in just a few moments. Well, today, <clears throat> today is a great day in the life of our church. Um, today we're going to mark a turning point in the life of, of our church. And in just a few moments you're going to have the opportunity to vote in uh, Nick Apperson. Nick, why don't you go ahead and stand up. I want your wife to stand up too because she would never, ever do this. That is Nick. That is Whitney. You can clap right now. It will drown out that awkward silence. All right, thank you. For those of you that were not able to make the greet and meet last night uh, with Nick and Whitney, and uh, they were here on Wednesday night, November the 6th, uh, where he met with the youth, and it was it was a great, great time. You know, it was 26 years ago that a good-looking, sophisticated, intelligent, charming, very muscular man of God was alive somewhere. And went to Red Baptist Church as student pastor, and it's been 26 years for for that. Well, thank you, Al for that. And and very humble too, very humble too. 34 years in student ministry, with 26 of those years being right here at Reddit Baptist Church, has taught me one thing: working with teenagers, and that is don't have kids and no just kidding this kid that's a joke No, it has taught me that the number one job you could have in this whole world <clears throat> i said I wouldn't do that it's student ministry and it still is um i'm going to tell you nick's a good guy i've known nick for about three years We've done a lot of ministry things together and he and Whitney are going to do a great job and that's why I'm so excited um, for the opportunity um, but it's a it's it's a big deal um, the last couple of weeks we've looked at this thing on repentance and repentance is that thread that runs through the parables of Jesus we're going to be entering into a study on the parables of Jesus, but clearly today is the commercial break timeout because of all we got going on here today. So be here next week. We're going to start off with the first of Jesus' parables. Um, but today, I got to thinking, what, what do you say at a time like today? And so if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Um, the verse will be up on the screen when we get to that verse. It's just one verse. But in 2 Timothy chapter 4, that is the uh, chapter that Paul is writing. This is his last chapter. This is his la- 2 Timothy is the last book that, Tim, uh, that, that Paul wrote before he was executed for being a Christian by Nero, Caesar, uh, of, of, of the Roman Empire. And this is his last letter. It's not just his last letter. This is his last chapter. More than half of all the letters that we have in the New Testament was written by Paul. And this is his, not only his last letter, this is the last chapter of his last letter. What do you say at a moment when you know you're about to die. What do you say? And if you are writing pen to paper. What in the world do you put down on that, on that piece of paper? Now that is a thought. And this is coming from Paul. Who right now is in a Roman prison. And they are not like the ones that we have today. And yet... You see his heart, you see his encouragement, you see his excitement in the midst of what is about to happen. And the thing that he wanted to say is the most important thing because he was writing, and he had one person in mind. Obviously, the Holy Spirit had many people in mind, but he had one thing in mind. He was writing to Timothy. This was Paul's way of saying, I am about to turn over the reins to Timothy. Timothy is going to be my successor. Timothy is going to pick up where I have left off, and he's going to lead with the churches. This letter right here, it's known as one of the pastoral epistles. This one is written for every single person that serves in a ministry position at a church. And what I want you to see are those first two uh, verses, with the emphasis is going to be on the second one. Paul simply said this. He said, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. And then he said this. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience. Your Bible might say long-suffering. It's the same thing. With great patience um, and instruction. Now, he said a lot of other things. I just want to focus on that one verse here today, and that's, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Repu- reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and with instruction. If there is anything for us to take away from this passage, is four quick little points. And these are big points. The number one thing on Paul's heart that he was telling Timothy to do Preach the word. Preach the word. Give them Jesus. Give them heaven. Preach the word. Don't tell them what you think about things. You preach the word. Everybody has an opinion. But preach the word. Let the word of God have the first and have the final say. Preach the word. as what Paul was saying. That word preach is that word uh, which means to proclaim as a herald. Now, a herald is a word that we don't, we don't connect to today. That's a foreign word to us. But what was the purpose of a herald? A herald would be a person like in the an imperial herald of a royal court. And that herald would be the person that would stand... At attention, and he would have a trumpet in his hand. He would sound that trumpet right before there were there there were to be a a message or uh, a communicated uh, statement, a fact, something of huge importance that the king was about to make. So he would sound that trumpet at attention, which would get everyone quiet. And then the message would come. That's the same word that Paul used here. He is saying to all ministers, when you preach, you preach with authority. You have the authority. It's God's word. And when you preach, let it sound out. Get everyone's attention. Because it's God now who is talking. Preach the word. He's not there to debate uh, the pros and cons of his message. His job is to deliver the message that's already been written. Preach the word. The second thing Paul told Timothy was not only preach the word, but he said, persevere. And you see that in, this, uh, in the second part of that first verse when he said, be ready and season and out of season persevere solomon told us in ecclesiastes to everything there is a season and a time but paul didn't live that way did he paul didn't live that way at all why didn't paul live that way because life was too short hell was too hot And eternity was too long for those who were not ready when they die. Uh, To Paul, it was an urgent um, necessity on his part to preach the word and to persevere no matter what. There's a lot of people that will use a lot of excuses, Christians that is, for not doing what they should be doing. Well, you don't find that with Paul. Paul's goal and his objective is found in what he said to Timothy in verse 1. When he said, For I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who, by the way, Timothy, who is to judge the living and the dead. That's Paul's way of saying, Timothy, what you're doing right now, it matters so much so that one day, a day is coming when you're going to have to give an account of what you're doing. So you do it well. Preach the word. In season, out of season. Good times, bad times. You stay in there. You don't give up. Most people will abandon ship when it takes on water. Those that persevere stay on board and help either bail out the water or fix the problem. But you persevere. You know, I've heard it said many times, you know... uh, A comment about Job. Well, if only you had the patience of Job. Well, if, you know, the patience of Job told us that. I got news for you. If you have the patience of Job, you have failed life. Because he didn't have any. When he said, I demand to argue with the Almighty, that's not a man with patience, he had perseverance. Job had lots and lots of perseverance. Lots of perseverance. Even by perseverance, the snails reached the ark. You never, ever give up. Paul said in Romans 1.16, what was his motivation? You'll see it on the screen. I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Greek. And to the church of Corinth, what did Paul say? Woe unto me if I do not preach the gospel. We are to persevere. Third point. Paul told Timothy not only to preach the word, and not only to persevere, but to probe all that the gospel entails. This is seen when you see the part in the verse when he said, uh, Reprove and rebuke when necessary, when necessary. Timothy's preaching must bring people under conviction of their sin. And we see a picture of this when the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in the act of adultery and through her At the foot of Jesus. Their goal was to ensnare him, to embarrass him, to humiliate him uh, with their wicked schemes. And we know what happened. Jesus spoke up after riding in the dirt with his finger. And he said, He who among you who is without sin, let him be the first one to throw a stone at her. And one by one, they all went away. Why did they go away? Because they were brought under conviction. Even though they were lost, they were cut to the quick. They recognized that they were sinners too. It's that same, it's that same wording, it's that same concept that you see when Paul is telling Timothy to rebu- uh, rebuke and reprove in this verse right here. It's this same word is used in John 16, 8 when the Bible says, uh, that the convicting work of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon the, uh, this earth. Reprove, rebuke. We're not called to be popular, but we are called to state the truth of God without fear or favor. Amen? Amen. We need to explore where God is leading, and we need to join Him at that place. And then the fourth thing that we read and what Paul told Timothy was to plead. To plead lovingly and loyally. He said, to exhort with long-suffering, with great patience, and with doctrine. You know that word exhort, it means to call someone aside as a means to appeal to that person. Or entreating someone, you are entreating them to listen to you. you have a message to declare, and you're imploring him to listen with the hope that he or she will make a decision. So we see in this word right here, this goes a step further than just proclamation, doesn't it? The exhorting must be done in a spirit of patience, and it's that love that will not let us go type of long-suffering. And in all of these things, we do it in love. We don't do it with a judgmental finger. We do it in love. But in all these things, this is how we're to conduct ourselves. This is what motivates. This is the gasoline inside of the minister as the minister goes out to make a difference, not only in his church but in his community and all around this world. People want to know that a leader is worth following. And Paul instructed Timothy these words right here so as to keep Timothy in check with where he needed to be. The first time that I ever worked at a church, it was a summer position, it was a summer job, it was just three months, and when I showed up, they had two youth. And that's it. They hadn't had a youth minister in four years. It was East Sedalia Baptist Church, and that's where I went. I was young, not too bright, not real trained real well, but I had a lot of passion on wanting to go after teenagers. It's what I do, it's what I love. I had been a Christian for about two and a half years, and I was on fire, just soaking up everything I could learn. At the end of the summer, right before I was to leave to go back to school, it was a really big event. It was worlds of fun. That's Missouri's equivalent of Six Flags, just on a much smaller scale. But it's worlds of fun. And we were going to worlds of fun. It's a two-hour drive from Sedalia. Sedalia. Well, everything was lined up. I was excited. I had 64 students signed up. We were going. That night before at 10:30 at night, I get a phone call. And it's my bus driver. And he is telling me he won't be able to make it in the morning to drive the bus to go to Worlds of Fun. So I hung up the phone I put back on my jeans, I was in my sweats, and I went down to the church and I found the keys to the bus and I went out in the parking lot and for two and a half hours until a quarter till two in the morning, I was driving a bus all around Sedalia, Missouri, learning how to drive so I could take a busload of students to Worlds of Fun. Here's what I didn't know. You need a special license. That kind of went out the window. I didn't know that. So the next day, we get on the bus. Don't ask me why a parent would let their kid get on a bus with someone who's not much older, it looked like. I didn't know Brother Ed had his license. No one asked. I didn't know. So I'm driving to Kansas City on a bus, and we get to Kansas City, and we're at Worlds of Fun all day long, and we're having a blast. When we go to get on the bus to leave, I turned it on, everything started up, but no lights were working on the dashboard, none, none. None. And I did every single thing I could to figure out what the heck is going on? Why is this happening to me? And I'm looking, and I got real creative, and everyone on the bus was wearing those necklaces that glow. So everybody had them on. So I got up and I said, All right, here's what we're going to do I need everyone to give me your necklaces, your glowing necklaces. And so I got them. You could take them off at the halfway point, and they're long and straight. And I had a gob of them about that much when it was all put together. And I laid them on the dashboard, and it was just enough light glowing that I could see my speed. Because speed's important. And I drove all the way back with those on the dashboard. And parents picked up their kids they were very excited it was a real successful event and it wasn't until the next day when I was talking to one of the men at the church and he said well when did you get your your uh, license got my license when everyone else got their license and he goes well I just I never knew that you could drive a bus well who can't drive a bus and I picked up in the midst of all of that, oh, you, you need a lot. They didn't have a Natalie Bush at, at, that, at that church. So uh, um, I just kind of kept that a little bit under wraps. The things you learn as a student minister, I re- where's Sam at? Sam, where you at? I remember the one time at Disciple Now. I'm going over to Sam's house, and I got my guy recording. I have my guest uh, preacher for the weekend, and uh, my worship leader, uh, Lane Oliver. And all four of us were going over to Sam's house. We get to Sam's house. I'm walking out. And I was noticing, now they had these metal wheels at the edge of their driveway, and I thought, well, when did they take those down? Oh, well. And so I just go on in, and I hesitated because I was just going right on in the house. Uh, We're going in, we're getting video shots of the youth and all this stuff, and we're putting together a video. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I hesitated because I thought, wait a minute, is this the right house? I'd been here a million times and I saw tons of two leaders in the window. Oh, yeah, that's their house. So I just opened the door and I just walk right on in. And I walked about four steps in and I'm like, "Hey, they enclosed the door that goes to the kitchen. It's just a, why would they do that?" And as I'm figuring this out, and the guys are standing right behind me. They're just following the leader. And I'm standing there, and I'm like, hey, there's all these pictures on the wall. And as I'm looking at the pictures, I'm like, hey, these aren't Sam or Amanda or Melissa or Wayne. And then it hits me, just bam, I'm in the wrong house. And the guys, they don't know it. They're just right behind me. And I'm sitting there, and I go, hey, guys, we got to get out of here real quick. So they're like, what? And I go, we're in the wrong house. So I'm hitting them. And it just hit me. Okay, I'm about to get shot, and I'm going to go down as a crook instead of an idiot. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, just back up, back up. Well, they're laughing. They're laughing so hard that they can barely move. And I'm kicking them, and I'm feeling flush, and I'm trying to get out. And about that time, I just start saying out loud, just real out. I'm thinking, God, please. I hope they know their neighbors. Uh, Wayne and Melissa Craig. Is there a Wayne and Melissa Craig here? I'm looking for uh, Wayne and Melissa Craig. And I see this little girl's head come out in the living room, which is right at the end of the hallway that I was almost in. And she looked, and she goes, oh, they're next door. Okay. All right, fine. Yeah, good. Thank you. And I'm beating them and trying to get them out the door. I just shut the door. They were literally laying on the porch. Wes Hamilton, Stoker, and Lane Oliver. And they're laughing like little schoolgirls. And I had to jump over them. I am in the front yard, just pounding on the yard. They're gonna remind me of this until the day I die. Well, I'm just glad to be alive. <laughs> the mistakes that you make. And one more. Oh, I could go on and on with these. We're doing a musical at Red Baptist Church. We're going to Oklahoma, and where we're doing the musical. We're driving down the interstate. That's when we used to have the coach. How many of you guys remember the coach? Remember, it was just a giant coffin on wheels. That's all it was, okay? Well, we had this coach, and we're, 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 we're driving, and we're really getting low on fuel. Someone, there's one leader... On the coach, 23 students, one leader, and me, and I can't remember now to save my life who it was, but they came up and they said, hey, we're almost out of gas. Oh, we're good. we still got a quarter of a tank. No, David, who's here today, David said the odometer doesn't work. When you're on a quarter of a tank left, you're on empty. And we were right on it. About that time I look up, and I see a mile marker for Argyle, and it said six. So I turn off the AC, and I was driving. Hey, y'all, we're going to play a little game, because I knew we were going to run out of gas. And I said, we're going to play a little game. Here's what we're going to do. Every single mile marker, shout it out. And it's just stupid. I was just so nervous thinking, oh, this is going to be... Why me? So we're driving. We get to five, and then we see four and three. Next thing you know, we catch the exit, and I'm just pushing it. To, and right through the exit, it's a long exit to the stop sign. There's two roads, and then you see the big gas station. Well, my eye was on that gas station, and of course I'm looking. There's no traffic on those road uh, on those roads. I blew through the stop signs, just blew through, and at the point that I'm exiting, it starts shaking, and I'm like, oh, come on, come on, you can do, come on, and so we're, we're driving, and we get in the parking lot, and right as we get in the parking lot, it's dead, and I get it to turn, and I'm just, come on, go, oh, come on, I'm at the steering wheel, and we pull right up. It was so perfect. I'm right at the gas pump's, I mean, perfect. And I jumped up. I, I told D, I didn't even have to put the brakes on. It was perfect. I jumped up, and I'm screaming, who's the man? Who's the man? Bow down at the man. Who's the man? Until I got out of the coach, went to put the gas in, and I realized, oh, It takes diesel. Diesel's behind the gas station at those pumps way over there. And I'm thinking, who's the man? Who's the man? So as all the youth are inside getting their snacks and treats, I'm going in there with my tail tucked between my legs, telling the guy behind the counter, hey, I ran out of gas. I need a gas gas can. Um, he goes, Well, where are you at? Well, I'm right outside. And here, uh, yeah, I, I just, if I can get that gas, well, your, where's your vehicle at? It's right out there. He goes, You're in front of the gas pump. I go, I need diesel. Oh, I'll never, I can't go home when we go to Missouri. If we go by there, I look at that exit and I look at that gas station all these years later. i am I bringing this stuff up? Other than the fact it just shows how incredible um, of a moron anyone can be, it's also to testify God loves morons too. Right? Amen. I'll clap for that. Here's the thing I want to say. My greatest teacher was Mr. Mistake. I knew my teacher well. And What I want to say to Nick, which is also what I want to say to Ben, to Josh, let mistakes be your greatest teacher. This church is full of people who are more than willing to let you make mistakes. Because if they cease being so loving in that area, they get to do the job. And then we get to sit there and critique them. No. In all honesty, your imperfect ministerial staff gets to work with an imperfect congregational membership of believers. And that is the best news I can, I can say to, to anyone coming here. If we remember those four principles, preach the word persevere, probe, and to remember to plead for a response to our message, then we can allow God to step in and for God to do His thing when He needs to. And the greatest reward, Nick and Ben and Josh... The greatest reward you can have will always come out of left field like it did with me a week ago when a former student of mine called me up and wanted a meeting. And I hadn't seen him in a while. And he called because he's getting his life together with Jesus. And he's rededicating. He's recommitting his life. And in his words... I felt like the Lord wanted me to come and talk to you. Those are the moments that you sit there when they're over and you go, you know, this was really worth it because you are making a difference. Most of the time you don't, you don't think about it or you don't think maybe that you are, but you're making a difference. And Paul right here is telling Timothy, you want to know how to make a difference? This is how you make a difference, these four ways. In a few moments, we're gonna we're gonna close and we're gonna vote in your bulletin. You're gonna already have a ballot. If you do not have a ballot, you can raise your hand and someone will get you a ballot. We're trying to speed things up because we got the Deacon luncheon going on. But here today, if you feel like the Lord is working with you and speaking to you your heart about what is going on and what he needs to do what you need to let him do, I want to encourage you today, if you will, to have that talk with Jesus and, and, and see what it is that the Lord is asking you to do today. I know he's here in this room. He's most definitely here. And his, his passion, his goal, is for you not only to know him, but to walk with him. So that he can fellowship with you and you can fellowship with him. That's what he wants more than anything. Let's pray. Father, we just want to come before you. And we want to thank you, Lord, for all that you are doing. And for all that you have done. And God, just how much you pursue after us. Lord, I pray that as we... Continue to do the work that you have called all of us in this room to do. I pray, God, that we would remember that the most important thing is to preach the Word. And just keep it on the Word. And that we would would just stay steadfast through everything that comes our way. I pray, God, that you'd give everybody wisdom and direction and discernment as we live our lives out doing just this. And God, today, if there's anyone in this room and they don't know Jesus, God, they can know you, and it's so easy to know you. Living the life is tough, but God, they can find you. And I pray, God, you would motivate them to come down. They can talk to Josh or Ben or myself, and we'll tell them how they can do that. If there's anyone here today, God, and they just really want to get their lives committed if they need to sharpen some some rough areas of their life and they want to just get their life in order god i pray and ask you'll motivate them to pray and talk to you about that they can do that right before they leave but i pray god more than anything lord if you would if you would bless this day it is such a great day and it's a it's a new day in the life of our church And we pray, God, that you would move and that you would bless and that you would lead and you would guide and you would remind us, Lord, that you love us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.